0: When I was a missionary in Russia, we, uh, technology blossomed while we were over in Russia and suddenly we found we had all, when we first went to Russia, the way you communicated back and forth to Russia was you send a letter and it takes a few weeks to get there and then the guy guy there, I write a letter back and it takes a few weeks for it to get back. That was awkward. Okay and then they invented email and that was so cool although very primitive when we first began uh, yeah you young people wouldn't believe what email looked like back then I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't we had to dial up 100 times to get a connection to send it one email uh, we'd sit there and di- we had to dial your phone to connect 100 and you dial it to be busy you dial it to be busy you do that after after about 100 times you get through and then you could send an email at snail speed you, you would be shocked. Anyway, so there was that. And then we got to the point where we had all sorts of connections that we could connect with anybody automatically. Now, my little sister lives in North Carolina. And I would be sitting at my desk in Moscow. And my, my, my computer would ring. And it'd be my little sister. I'd click, I, hey, sis, what's up? Uh, and so we're just, isn't that cool that we could do that all across the world? And she'd say, hey, Sam, I need some help. And I'm like, what's up? And she says, well, I'm on my way to this place, but I'm not really sure how to get there, and I'm kind of lost. Can you help me figure out how to get there? And I'd laugh, and I'd open up Google Maps, and I'd say, okay, what road are you on? She said, uh, I'm on route so and so. I'm like, okay, got that route. And I said, where are you on that route? She said, I'm not sure. Hang on a minute. Okay, I just crossed such and such a street. I'm like, okay, I got you. Where are you headed? She said, I'm trying to get to this place. I said, okay, I know where you're at, and okay, so you wanna go down two more miles, and then you're gonna turn left. And I would give her directions, and so she would. Call me in Moscow to get directions to get to where she was going to go, uh, which I found enormously amusing. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny to do that. Um, and it was just, it was fun. It was just cool that we were able to do that. But I, I bring up that story to say this it's really impossible to give, to give directions if you don't know where somebody's at. If she calls and says, Sam, tell me how to get from here to such and such an address, if I don't know where she's at, I can't tell her. You have to know where somebody is to tell them how to get where they're going. OK, and as missionaries know, you have to when you go to the mission field, you get to know the people there. You learn their language. You learn their culture. You, you, you try to get to where you understand how their head's working, what's going on, what the needs of their soul are. You, you try to you try to immerse yourself in them so that you can really understand the soul of that person. And when you know where he's at, it makes it way easier to tell him how to get to, to Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we're about in this session, how to understand the Jewish people. And so I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff about how to understand Jewish people. Now, the first thing I I, I want to say is that the Jewish people are really easy to understand, okay? Uh, how, How many of you know somebody that's Jewish? Raise your hand up. Okay, okay, several, okay. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, do you know anybody that's Jewish? Like, you don't know anybody at all that's Jewish? Folks, if you don't know anybody that's Jewish, you need to meet Jesus really bad. Yes, I did set you up. Uh, I love doing that to people. It's just so, it's so fun to be honoring. Okay, so uh, uh, so only a few of us know Jewish people. That's great because you're going to get to meet some Jewish people, and I'm excited about that. But the first thing to understand is they're really easy to understand because they're just like us. They're Americans, Okay. The Jewish people in our area, now we're, we're going to get into this a little bit later today, but but there, are, I don't think Eaton is like a huge stronghold of Jewish life. Uh, there's not a ton of Jewish people here, but there's Jewish people up in Richmond, and there's Jew, a lot of Jewish people over in Dayton. Uh, did you know that Cincinnati has Hebrew Union College, which trains most American rabbis are trained in Cincinnati? Uh, I, I don't know if it's most, but many, many of the rabbis here in the U.S. are trained in Cincinnati, at Hebrew Union College. And so... And so there are Jewish people all around us here. And if you meet them, you know what the truth of the matter is most of the time you won't even know you met them uh, because they're just like us. They're Americans. They live in a house just like your house. Maybe they live on your street, and you don't even know that they're Jewish. Okay, How do they dress? Well, if you're talking about the hyper-Orthodox, they wear these black suits and white shirts and big funny hats and and, and they wear the little kippah, a little little skull cap on them and they have these little... And they do all of that stuff. But only a tiny fraction of the Jewish people do all of that. You know how most of them dress? Just like you and I. Uh, so they're just like us, okay, they live where we are, they, they work at a job down the street at, at whatever office or whatever place, uh, they cheer for the Reds, they, you know, they're just, they're just like us. And so the first thing you need to understand about Jewish people is truly they're indistinguishable. Very often when I ask people, do you know any Jewish people, people don't raise their hand and I say, the fact is you probably do know, do know some Jewish people, you just don't know that they're Jewish because they look just like us, okay? Now, the second thing I want to tell you about Jewish people is that they're really difficult to understand. And yes, that does contradict the first statement, but both are true. So here's the thing. Um, Do we have anybody here that grew up in another culture, That, that has lived an extended period of time in another culture, anybody here? Come on, somebody, okay. Yes, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, where, sister, yeah, you. Okay, Uganda. Okay, cool. I lived in Russia. I've lived in Israel. I've lived in Ukraine. If you've lived in two cultures, it's kind of strange. Did you live in Uganda long enough that you felt really comfortable there? You were born there, so you felt fairly comfortable there. Is life there the same as it is here? It's different. Okay. I have an experience. Tell me if this sounds any like it makes any sense. I can do American, I mean, I'm an American. I, born, I was born and raised in Ohio, okay? I wasn't born in Ohio, but I was raised in Ohio. We, we won't talk about where I was born. It's a shameful, dark secret in my life. It was north of here. But it's not your fault where you're born, it's your mother's fault. When I was six months old, I convinced my family to move to Ohio. Okay, so, so anyway, so I'm a regular old American. So I can do American, I know how to do American. So you didn't grow up with that, but I did. Okay, so I can do American, I can act like an American, okay? Kind of a weird one, but an American nonetheless. But I can get on an airplane, fly to Eastern Europe and land in Russia or Ukraine, okay, either one. And it's weird, because I get off the plane and I'm a Russian or a Ukrainian. Now I'm not really, I'm still an American, but I know how to do that. I know how to dress the way they dress. I know how to talk the way they talk. I know how to operate in their culture. Brother Stensis is shaking his head, yeah. Because it's a different, and it's a whole different mindset. But you have, I, and, and it feels to me like, it's like I took off my American suit and I put on my, my, my Ukrainian suit. It's like It's like changing clothes. And I just flip a switch and I can do, okay, I was doing American, now I'm doing Russian. And I can do that. Because I'm comfortable in both cultures, okay? Now, Jewish people have that, okay? They're Americans. And so they can do American, they can be American, they are Americans. And they're just like us. But inside them is the knowledge and the soul that has a second culture as well, and that's Jewish culture. Another history, another culture other traditions, other, other holidays, other values, another language possibly. They have a whole other way of life that they carry around inside themselves with their history, their culture, their belief system and both of those exist simultaneously in one human being. Okay, just like it does in this young lady and in myself and in, in some of you others. Okay, and we can do this or we can do that and when they're out with me and you, they're doing American, which feels perfectly natural because they are American. But then they get together at the synagogue with their Jewish friends and they go Jewish they, they, they flip the switch and now they're they're expressing they're Jewish, which is also natural and right because they are Jewish. And so they've got they have two different cultures, and it helps us if we understand it. Um, now the next thing I want to tell you about is that Jewish people are very diverse. I this whole session is about telling you what Jewish people are like, but before I start the session, I want to tell you that there's no way to effectively do that because Jewish people are all over the map. There's not a Jewish culture, there are many different Jewish cultures. Ukrainian Jewish culture is very different than Yemeni Jewish culture, which is different than Indian Jewish culture, which is different than California Jewish culture, okay? They're all Jewish, but they do it in really different ways, okay? American Jewish people tend to be politically very liberal, Israeli Jewish people tend to be politically very conservative, and they both look at the other and think, those people are nuts, but they're both Jewish, okay? And so there's this enormously wide range. If we're talking about the Jewish religion, you've got the three main groups are, we have the Orthodox, who are very, very, very religious, okay? On the other extreme, you have the Reform, who, I don't know. Don't get me started. Uh, they're the liberals of the Jewish world. And then in the middle, you have the conservative, which is kind of like compromise solution, kind of in the, in the middle-ish. And so you have three different things. So you have very conservative. Co- uh, the very conservative aren't called conservative. They're called orthodox. And then the middle of the road guys are called conservative. And then you have the reform. And you have a bunch of other groups, too. In fact, it, it gets pretty crazy. Anybody here know what a jubu is? Okay? In some Jewish circles, Eastern religion is a big deal. And so a bunch of Jewish people have become Buddhists. And they call themselves Jew-boos, uh Jewish Buddhists. And so there's Jubus. okay? They're also part of the Jewish. There's Atheist Jews. There's... <laughs> so when you're talking about Jewish people, they're extremely diverse. Okay, now let me talk to you about appearance. I, I run into people all the time that tell me, look, I can tell a Jewish person just by looking. Well, congratulations, that's a great gift you have. I can't do that, and I don't believe you can either. Next slide, please. Which one of these actors is Jewish? Can you tell me which actor up here is Jewish? Can you see him? Yeah, okay. They're all Jewish. Uh, For you old timers, anybody here watch Star Trek when you were a kid? Captain Kirk and Mr. Mr. Spock are both Jewish. Okay, Uh, next slide. Uh, Which actress is Jewish? And the answer is the same. They're all Jewish. Okay, which one of the actresses. And so, you know, I, I developed these slides because I was over in Ukraine teaching these lessons and they were like, oh, we can tell a Jew just by looking. And so I asked them, which, which one is Jewish? And they were like, okay, I think that one is, but that one isn't. And I was like, no, they're all Jewish. And they were like, you're kidding me, really? Who would know? Because you can't tell by looking. Okay, next slide, please. Uh, I remember living in Tel Aviv and I saw three kids. they had just been out playing football soccer and they're walking up the street and they're all buds okay they're all friends they're on the same team and they're all just you know acting like boys coming home from a uh, from a from a, a ball game and one of them was a polish jew and his face was white 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 with like really red rosy cheeks and you know round faced and white and, you know he looked like a typical pole okay and the next kid next to him for all the world looked exactly like an arab some of the jewish people look so much like an arab that the arabs can't tell which makes it really easy for them to spy, okay? Uh, And then the next kid was from, he was an Ethiopian Jew, and he was as black as black could be. And so I have three kids, Polish Jew, um, a a Sephardic Jew, and an Ethiopian Jew. They look completely different. and They're all Jews, okay? And so when you say, oh, I can tell just by looking, you're dreaming. Okay, many different kinds of culture. Kind of already talked about that. Uh, Politics, religion, uh, we kind of touched on those. Let's go on. Okay, so they're very diverse, but there are some common characteristics. Um, now, these are generalities, okay? Because nothing I'm going to say applies to all Jewish people, but they are useful. Okay, first one is they have a zeal of God, okay? Now, we've already talked about that in the last session. It's often hidden, but it's still there. There is there is a zeal of God in the heart of Jewish people. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, great religious diversity. Actually, I'm doing really good here because I already talked about the Orthodox and the Conservative and the Reform. And those are just the major groups because there's all kinds of splinter groups. They are as divided up in their religion as Baptists are. Uh, You know, I mean, there's like 400 different kinds of Baptists. Well, there's about 400 kinds of Jewish too. Okay, next one. I have a friend who's a Jewish guy who's a believer in Jesus Christ. who who calls it the greatest lie. And the greatest lie is that Christ has nothing to do with us. Okay, so Jewish people are like, okay, the New Testament is the Bible for, for the Gentiles, and Jesus is God for the Gentiles, and Christianity is the religion of the Gentiles. It has nothing to do with us, okay? And that is completely wrong. Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob said that he would send a Messiah, a Savior. The Hebrew prophets prophesied that there would be a Messiah, a Savior that would come and They described him in every detail. Then Jesus came, born of a virgin. Born exactly how the prophets said. uh, Born Jewish. And he grew up and he fulfilled the Jewish law and he fulfilled all the prophecies of all the Hebrew prophets. And he said... That he's come to save his people from their sins. He came to save the Jewish people. And the Jewish people say, oh, he has nothing to do with us. Okay? They couldn't be more wrong. But that is widely believed in Jewish circles. Many, there are, so there are many Jewish people who know that Jesus was Jewish. But there are many Jewish people who don't even know that Jesus was Jewish. They think he was some kind of like Italian Catholic. Uh, really, I mean that seems amazing, but there are there are Jewish people. I've met Jewish people who believe that he. You know, I think Jesus was a Catholic of some kind. It's like, no, he was he was Jewish. Um, they don't know that Jesus came to be their Messiah, and and the Jewish people don't know that. There's a man named Stan Telchin, who was uh, the leader of a synagogue. He wasn't a rabbi. He was the president of the synagogue, which means like he was the He he was kind of the boss, not the rabbi. That's the way they do synagogues. Anyway, and he was a businessman living in Baltimore, Maryland. And he had a daughter who grew up and went off to college. And when she went off to college, oh, no, disaster, she fell in with a bunch of, no, not drug dealers, Christians. And they began to talk to her about Jesus. And she was like, no, no, I'm Jewish. That, That doesn't have anything to do with me. And then she ended up getting saved. And he wrote a book about it called Betrayed, because he was betrayed by his daughter. She came home and began to witness to mom and dad. And he was like, absolutely not. That's wrong. We're Jewish. Jesus has nothing to do with us. Stop it. And she wouldn't stop. She just kept it up. And finally, he said, I will prove to you that Jesus has nothing to do with us. And he grabbed her New Testament. He said, I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to read it, and I'm going to prove to you that this whole thing is a lie. Yeah, you already know how that worked out. He got saved. Became a preacher of the gospel, okay? Okay. And one of the things that Stan Telchin wrote in one of his books is he said, look, in the incredible diversity of the Jewish people, all the different belief systems, all the different cultures, he said, there's really only one thing that I can find that holds all Jews together. And that is the, the, the conviction that Jesus has nothing to do with us. Is the only uniting factor of all the different branches of Judaism. That is a tragedy. And yet, that is, you, you see that everywhere you go. Next, uh, next thing we're going to do The power of the rabbis and tradition. We have no appreciation for the, the, how much power the rabbis have and rabbinic tradition has over the lives of religious Jewish people. Now, if a person's a Jewish atheist, like, then the rabbi still has a lot of influence through the culture, but, but not so much. Now, in a Baptist church, typically we have great respect and show great honor for our pastor. As well, we should. Okay, I, I really believe that that's the way it ought to be. And if my pastor tells me something, yeah, if it's if it's not against scripture, I'm going to do it. Okay, because I, I believe that the Bible tells us that we should follow the leadership of our pastor. And 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 I'm confident that most of you feel that way as well. That we should have we should show great respect and great honor for the man of God. The power of the rabbi in Jewish circles far far exceeds anything that you and I are, have experience with his word is law okay they don't go back to the scriptures for their authority they go back to the rabbi for their authority okay the authority is not the scripture it's the rabbi so pastor can get up and he can say something and we're going we're going to follow what he says but if he gets up and he says something that's unscriptural you know most of the people in this church are going to stand up and say preacher that's wrong that's not what the Bible says we're not go- we're not going there that's never going to happen in a, Jewish, in a Jewish synagogue. The rabbi's word is final. And nobody even looks at the scriptures. I remember once I was in Atlanta uh, and I was witnessing and a Jewish lady came and she began to um, <laughs> she began to really give it to me. And uh, she was giving me a hard time. Anyway, and, and as we were talking, I said, excuse me, ma'am, let me ask you a question. She said, what? And I said, if I could take your Bible and show you beyond any doubt to your satisfaction from your Bible that Jesus is Messiah, would you believe it? And she said, absolutely not. Now stop and think about what she just said. I don't care what the Bible says. My rabbi says it's not true. That's the final word. And the rabbi has absolute control. Folks, most Religious Jewish people, and honestly, a lot of Jewish people who are not religious, they're still accepting what their Jewish culture tells them, which comes from the rabbi, okay? They are set on whatever the rabbi says is true, end of story. And as long as they believe that, they are never going to be saved. Now, you say, how do you deal with that? I typically do not attack the rabbi, okay? Because that ends up being a very short conversation. You know, you attack the rabbi and they're gone. And so what I'll do is I'll say, uh, I'll be talking to them and I'll share something from the scripture and they'll say, oh, well, no, that's not what we believe. Our rabbi tells us this. I said, really, your rabbi says this? And they say, yeah. And I'll open the scripture and say, well, that's weird because, you know, the rabbi said that, but the Bible says the opposite. It said, look here. And I'll just do that over and over and over. I'll just keep taking them back to, oh, your rabbi said, how about that odd? Because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. And I'll just keep setting this up. Your rabbi said one thing. Bible says something different, Rabbi said that, Bible says that, Rabbi said that, Bible says this till they get to the point where they're going well I always thought the rabbi was telling me what the Bible said but clearly he's saying one thing the Bible, which one am I going to believe and if you can get him to the point of saying show me again what the Bible says, you got a shot at winning them then, but you've got to get him to the scriptures because the power of the rabbi is enormous next thing, um Many of them are non-religious. You say, why are many of them non-religious? I talked to a gentleman named Norm about two weeks ago. Really nice guy, a Jewish man in Atlanta. Um, I just, it's the first time I met him. And Norm's an atheist. I, 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 it's interesting. I suppose he would describe himself as an atheist. I don't think I'm putting that on him. Uh, He doesn't believe in God, and if you ask him, why why don't you believe in God, he would say this, he would say, because of the Holocaust. If there really was a God, he would never allowed six million innocent Jews to be butchered by the Nazis. And the fact that that did happen shows me that there is no God. A very famous American author wrote a book, an an American rabbi wrote a book and he said, look, because of the Holocaust, we can come to this conclusion. God is either not good or he is not all-powerful. Because if he's all-powerful and good, he would have stopped the Holocaust. So there's only two explanations. Either he's not good and he just decided to allow something evil to happen. Or he is good, but he's not all-powerful. He just couldn't stop it. And so his conclusion was, this is the rabbi. He wrote a book on it. It's very famous among Jewish circles, that God... If there is a God, he cannot be both good and all-powerful because of the Holocaust. That's a tragic thing to say. And yet, that's where many Jewish people are. Vast numbers of Jewish people lost their faith at the the Holocaust. Um, And I could talk about that for a long time, but I will will try not to do that. The other thing is, is an awful lot of Jewish people have gone to the synagogue and looked at Judaism and said, "This this just doesn't have anything for me. It doesn't save the soul. It doesn't meet the need of the soul. This isn't, I don't, all they're doing is telling me I have to follow all of these rules. Why? I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't see any point in it. And many of them, the failure of Judaism, the emptiness of Judaism has caused multitudes of Jewish people to walk away. So Jewish people historically have been very religious, but in our time, many of them are not religious because most of them either just because the emptiness of Judaism or because of, because of the Holocaust. Many of them have turned away from God. Next thing. They are the chosen people. Now, that, that's an interesting topic to bring up with Jewish people. It's really typical that when a Baptist meets a Jewish person, we tend to gush over them and say, oh, we love Jewish people. Did you know that you are the chosen people of God? And they've heard that a lot. And honestly, a lot of times, this is a very typical, you may very well end up hearing this, very often Jewish people will respond to that by saying, yeah, I wish God would choose somebody else sometimes. You say, what does that even mean? What they mean is, this chosen people gig hasn't worked out great for us. Okay, we're the chosen people, but everybody keeps trying to kill us, and everybody keeps hating on us, and everybody keeps persecuting us. Maybe you should be the chosen people for a while, and have people trying to kill you, and hate you, and persecute you. Maybe, how about we try to be just nobody, and and, and nobody will notice us, and you get to be the chosen people, and the hated people for a while. That's what they mean by that. But they are the chosen people. They are God's chosen people, and the scriptures are crystal clear about that. And you know what? They're right. It's because they are God's chosen people that that anti-Semitism exists that that people want to harm the Jews. I'm convinced that that's what it's about. But sometimes with some Jewish people, this whole chosen people, sometimes they can get kind of proud. Now, there's a lot of different opinions about how Jewish people are. Okay, I hear a lot of times, uh, Jewish people are all rich. I'm like, well, no, I know some poor ones. They're all brilliant. <laughs> I know some dumb ones. Um, uh, I do, okay. Uh, well, all Jewish people are greedy. No, many of them are very generous and very kind, okay. By the way, I know some Ohioans that are greedy too. Uh, uh, th- we have all kinds of different, well, Jewish people are all fill in the blank. And it's funny because some of those are like evil things like you know, greedy or grasping or whatever, And then others of them are like rich or or smart. And you say, well, they probably like the rich and the smart, but they probably don't like the greedy and mean. Okay, first of all, I don't really believe any of those things. Okay, I don't believe any of those stereotypes. In my experience, most Jewish people are really kind people. They've suffered a lot. And people who have suffered a lot tend to have a kind spirit toward others because they know what it's like to suffer okay and so that's what I found about Jewish people but Jewish people they don't like either stereotype they don't like the ones that seem good and they don't like the ones that seem evil because they say as soon as you start stereotyping us the next thing is somebody starts persecuting us just treat us like people okay but I will say that sometimes the chosen people thing does lead to pride there are certain segments of the Jewish population that can be very proud some of the Orthodox can be super arrogant Um, and, and you run into that in Israel. The Orthodox—they don't even like other Jews if they're not Orthodox, okay? And and they won't. And they 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 find it somewhat offensive to be around a goyim, a, a, a gentile like myself, and uh, and and so they will like they'll pass you on the sidewalk and they will pretend that you're not there. They won't look at you. They won't acknowledge you. They'll just pass you and pretend that you don't exist. And because I have a rotten attitude and I'm kind of snarky. Uh, I shouldn't be proud of. Uh, I would wait till I got right up to him, and right when I got to him, I'd say Shabbat Shalom, which is you know Happy Sabbath. Uh, and the automatic response is Shabbat Shalom. You know, if somebody says Shabbat Shalom, you say Shabbat Shalom back, and and so I'd wait till I got right back up to him, and then I'd say Shabbat Shalom, and they go Shabbat Shalom, and then they'd be like, Oh, I just talked to a Gentile. Um, <laughs> and I I don't suppose it's good that I'm saying that just to aggravate him, uh, but I kind of was, <laughs> um, but. So there are certain segments of the Judaism that, that they tend to think we Jews are the chosen people. We are righteous. By the way, many of them do live very good lives, okay? And, and we're not sinners like the Gentiles, and some of them can kind of think more highly of themselves than they ought to, and that's not really a great thing, okay? Next up, this is a huge issue in, in ministry to the Jewish people persecution of the Jewish people has built very high walls, okay? And this is a problem because you would never persecute a Jewish person, I think. I don't think anybody here would, would persecute Jewish people. But the Jewish people have been persecuted immersively for the most of the last 2,000 years. And you're like, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, really. Uh, most of us aren't aware of it. Okay, but trust me, they are very, very aware of it. They know their history. They know what people have done to them. How many have ever heard of the ship, the, 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 the steamship St. Louis? Anybody know about the steamships of St. Louis? Every Jewish person in the country knows about the steamships of St. Louis. 1939, I think, was the year in Germany, and the Jewish people, some of them, who were really connected and who had some wisdom, said, you know what? Things are going bad here. The Nazis are rising in power and we're gonna be in trouble. We should leave Germany while we can. And they left on time. They actually were able to secure visas to, to move to Cuba. Nobody wanted them, but they, they, Cuba agreed to take them. So they secured visas to Cuba. They got on a ship called the St. Louis and they sailed to Cuba to escape the Nazis, escape the coming Holocaust. And when they got to Cuba, Cuba changed its mind and said, no, we're not gonna let you land here. And they started looking for a place to land. From Cuba, they went to Miami. And in Miami, the US, the U.S. consulate there said, no, you can't land here. They trailed all the way up the U.S. east coast and they were turned away at every port. No country would take them, nobody. In the end, there was no cho- choice but to sail back to Germany and most of them died in the ovens after they were turned away from our borders. Americans don't know that story Every Jewish person knows that story. Okay. The persecution of the Jewish people for the last 2,000 years is a blood-soaked story of horror. The, The things that were done are unspeakable. They have suffered more than you can really conceive. And they know that story. And the thing is, is frequently this persecution was done in the name of the church, in the name of Jesus Christ. During the Crusades, guys with great big red crosses on their shields came and murdered and burned and raped and killed enormous numbers of Jewish people, just slaughtered them immersively. They know this. And so there's this enormous, this persecution often by people who call themselves Christians, often in the name of Jesus Christ, has built this enormous wall. My friend Stan Skrilloff, grew up Orthodox Jewish in New Jersey, just across the river from New York City. And when he came to Christ, he went to told his family that he'd gotten saved and his grandmother, who he adored, pulled up her sleeve and said, this, and she showed the tattoo on her arm that the Nazis had put on her arm in the death camp. You've become one of these. To her mind, when he got saved, he went over to the dark side. He became one with the Christians, one with the people who slaughtered the Jewish people. This is, a terrib- this is a terrible problem for us in Jewish ministry because when we come to them and say, let me tell you about Jesus Christ, their first response is, oh, the one who leads all those people who wanna kill us. It's not really what we want them to be thinking about when we tell them about Jesus. You say, how in the world can we overcome that? I think there's only one way, and that's with real, genuine, heartfelt love. When they know the love, when they see that Christians truly, genuinely, deeply love them, it can make a difference. And I don't know of anything else that can. Next slide. Community. Community is really important to Jewish people. Now, community is important to all of us. Um, how many of you have ever had the experience of moving from one town to another town? Okay, don't you hate moving? I mean, I hate to move. I've moved so many times in our life, and it's a pain. Now, it's not just packing in the boxes and unpacking. That's bad enough all by itself. But you get in a new place, you don't know anybody. You know, you don't know where the grocery store is. You don't know who to call if there's a, a plumbing problem. You don't, know, you don't know anything. You don't know anybody, and you're just kind of all cut adrift. We live in community, we live in a network, in a web of a relationship. That's how human beings are. God created us this way. Every now and then, there's a guy that wants to go live all by himself on the side of a mountain, and, and he's considered like the weird hermit guy that lives up on the mountain in a shack, okay? But normal people live in a town, in community, and we have all these relationships, you know, and there's people we like and there's people we don't like, but we all live together, in, and that's, we're comfy that way, okay? We live in community but not near so much as the Jewish people do. In 70 AD, 2,000 years ago, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, slaughtered many of the people, and those that remained were, were, were scattered among the, the nations. Some of them as refugees, many of them as slaves. And so for the last 2,000 years, the Jewish people have lived as a small, usually persecuted minority in Gentile countries. So they've never had their own homeland. They've lived as a small persecuted minority in all these countries all over. And what they've been told is this. They've been told, look, we, we are a little group in the middle of all these Gentiles who have vastly more power than we do. They can squash us anytime they want. Okay? We can never depend on them. You never know when they might turn and attack us. And so we have to depend on each other. There's a famous Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin quote about we must all hang together or we will all certainly hang separately. Um, the Jewish people are really in on that. They're all like, and I've had Jewish people tell me, look, he says, in any group, he says, I come to a group and I, I look around and you know, there's a group of people that I'm at a conference. I look around and I identify who's Jewish. He says, I automatically sort everybody. Okay, there's my people. Yeah, those are the ones I can depend on. Not that I'm against anybody else. I'm fine with everybody else. I want to be friends with everybody. But there's some people here I know I can trust, and that's our people. They live in this web, and that's incredibly important to them. If they have that network, they feel secure. They feel like they can get along. Without it, they feel like they're all alone in the middle of a a sea of people that they can't trust, and they're terrified. Okay, Now, can you see that this would be a thing in witnessing to them? Because when I go to my Jewish neighbor and say, Why don't you trust Christ? He immediately thinks, If I become a Christian, I lose everyone. My friends, my family, my whole community, everyone will cut me off. I will be all alone. This is a big barrier to ministry. Okay? Now, it's a problem, it truly is. There is a solution. It's, it's still not easy, but there is a solution. You know what the solution is? You say, yes, you will lose your family, but you'll gain a family. You'll gain the family of the believers. We will be to you, mom and dad, brother, sister, son, daughter. We'll be your friends. You can count on us. We'll be there for you. Do you want to know what the problem with that is? Generally speaking, that's just talk. It's not reality. How many churches really live that way? How many churches really are brother, sister, mother, father to one another, that you can really depend on them, that they're really there for you? In most of our churches, that's not the case. When you, a Jewish person to the Lord, you need to be able to say, look, are you going to lose a community? Yes, you are. But you're going to gain a community and then you gotta step up your game and you gotta be that community for them. Next one. The stereotype that all Jews are very smart, educated, wealthy. As I already said, I, that's not true. They're not all smart, educated, and wealthy. Uh, many of them, you know, like I said, I've, I've known very poor Jewish people. Uh, throughout history, honestly, many Jewish people have been terribly poor. Uh, and I've known some, I, have some I, I know some Jewish people who really, you know, who just are very, uh, they're, not, they're not intelligent. Okay, I know some, non-intelligent. That's probably the polite way to say it. Uh, so Jewish people are both. But there is a stereotype that they tend to be educated and intelligent. You say, why is that? Well, my friend Igor in Ukraine, he's a Jewish guy in Ukraine, uh, and he's a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and he told me, he said, when I was growing up, here's what my mother said. She said, study, study, study. And he said, I'm tired of studying. He said, she said, study. Igor, look, if you have gold, the Gentiles can take it. If you build a great home, they can burn it down. If you build a great business, they can confiscate it. There's one thing they can never take from you, and that's what you have in your head. Study, because they can never take that away from you. We were in Tel Aviv, and, and Rhonda was out walking in the park, and there was a lady, and she was pushing a stroller with, with, um, with, with two babies in it. And Rhonda said, oh, what cute babies... and and got in a conversation with her, and she said, what are their names? And the mother looked at him, and she said, so the doctor's name is David, and the lawyer's name is Solomon. (laughs) She'd already got it worked out. And Jewish mothers have this, like, really big reputation that they drive their children immersively say, why? And by the way, Jewish children are like terrified of their mothers uh, a lot of times because they drive them to study. They drive them, drive them, drive them, drive them hard to study because they know that that's the only way they're going to make it. And so that is a huge value. Uh, They they, they highly, highly value education. So they come off intelligence. So they often get professional jobs. And then that makes more money. Uh, Why? Because they work really hard at it. Because that's, they're just trying to survive and that's the way they've learned that they can survive. And, and so that's, that's that. Now I've given you a lot of different things about Jewish souls, okay? And like I said, they're generalizations. There's, there's no Jewish person that all of these things apply to and there are gonna be Jewish people that none of these apply to. But you say, wow, man, this is really difficult. There's all this religion, they don't believe Christ is for us, the rabbis, Uh, they've been persecuted they need this community how am I ever going to reach them next slide how are we going to reach them well it's what I said earlier it's going to require genuine love we're going to have to love them with a genuine and deep and ongoing love we're going to have to pray pray in faith and keep praying we're going to have to sow the word of God and no matter what we're going to have to stay at it that's the only way we're going to reach them And that's the end of this lesson. All right. Um, Actually, we're doing okay on time, which is shocking. Uh, I don't usually do that good. Uh, Okay, let's take 15 minutes, and we'll be back here at 11.40.